We're here. This is unusual, but it's uh, 1.30 a.m., and we didn't want to stay and record in the press box, so you are getting us live and very, whoa, oh. very safe <laughs> from the car ride home. Yes. TCU won 42-12 tonight over rival SMU. They take the skillet back to Fort Worth for the seventh consecutive year. That is officially the longest winning streak that TCU has now in the history of this rivalry. It took 98 games to get a seven-game winning streak. Uh, but the Frogs come out on top after a really ridiculous first three hours of that football experience, Melissa, because of the weather delay and everything else? Yeah, I mean, in the press box, we were talking about how this was quite possibly the stupidest college football game we'd ever seen, and in a lot of ways, it lived up to that. Um, it did. You were talking weather delays, you are talking uh, s- dropped snaps that never even left the setter's hand, a dropped uh, ball on the punt attempt. Just kind of a everything-that-can-go-wrong do, does situation for the Horned Frogs in the first half. Yeah. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of positives to take away from how they righted the ship and then the way they came out after halftime and just absolutely dominated SMU in all facets of the game has to be encouraging for TCU fans heading into what is a relatively large game next weekend. Yeah, you know, it's... Like Patterson said earlier this week, you're always going to get SMU's best shot. And TCU definitely did get their best shot in the first quarter. In those first two drives, SMU totaled 108 yards of offense, uh, including a 51-yard touchdown run from Braden West, which uh, was problematic for a variety of reasons because TCU didn't really tackle well on that first possession for SMU. Oh, Garrett Wallow went for the big hit he, and yeah, just did missed, not accomplish it. And he missed it. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's one of those things where – the guys definitely came out a little high energy, a little jittery, I sure. think, from waiting an extra two hours sure. for kickoff. Uh, but after that first quarter, found themselves down 9 to nothing, and they really settled in at that point and started playing solid football, especially from a defensive standpoint. So SMU gained 108 yards on their first two possessions of the game. Their next nine possessions, they gained 68 yards. Yeah. So right out of the gate, you know, TC was a little slow. But defensively, they picked it up really quickly uh, about midway through the first quarter. You know, Corey Bethley had a couple of sacks tonight. Ben Banigou had a sack and a forced fumble tonight on a Ben Hicks-designed run. Uh, wonderful yeah. tonight in his gains yeah. sack. You know, Alec Dunham had a scoop and score for a uh, touch uh, on the fumble that Banigou forced. So, you know, stickly defensively it was an incredibly good performance offensively though there were some there were some struggles yeah yeah the TC started really slow on offense and you know once again as he has done time and time again over the last few years Kevonte Turpin kind of bailed him out and got that sparklet but the wide receivers could not catch pass the first two drives uh, making the mistake of hitting them right in the hands and you know obviously the condition bad and uh, SMU adjusted by running the ball more, but at the end of the day, like if you're going to be a team, you cannot let that get in your way. You've got to make those plays. And it was the best receivers dropping those balls. Austin um, misfired a couple of times again. Uh, you know, Gary Patterson talked in the post-game press conference about how he needs to put more air under the deep ball, give his receiver a shot at making those plays. And, you know, he does throw in much harder than Kenny Robinson did, and that's an adjustment. Kenny Robinson? Wow. Kenny Hill. But I thought they it's looked – um, <laughs> Uh, so, very similar players. Um, so, you know, I think that um, 
these are adjustments that are being made. The step up from Southern to SMU is significant, but it pales in comparison to the step up from SMU to Ohio State. And, you know, every player in the postgame, and, and Gary Patterson as well, acknowledged that they're going to have to play a lot better next week to have a shot against one of the top, you know, probably three or four teams in the country. They really are. Uh, you know, it was asked multiple times with everybody in the postgame uh, presser tonight, you know, what do you have to improve on? Uh, and, and we got a variety of different answers. Patterson really said, you know, you're good at what you're good at. Uh, and so at this point for TCU, it's just about being prepared uh, and going into that game confident because of the preparation that you've put in. Uh, and, and the players, you know, they said similar things, but also, uh, you know, that they, they do see a, a, lar- a large amount of room for improvement uh, in multiple facets of the game. Jalen Austin pretty much said, we got to get better at everything. Sure. Uh, you know, Corey Bethley talks a little bit about him, his own uh, ways that he can improve. Specifically, he said playing with a better pad level and, and using his hands a little bit more. Uh, Patterson did mention, too, that he had to slide over into Ross Blacklock's position against Southern, but was able to move back to his position on the defensive line, which is the three technique uh, for this game against SMU because Joe Broadnax was yeah. And so that allowed, uh, and I think we saw uh, Bethley benefit from that Absolutely. too because he was all around he was the quarterback. He a monster. Yeah, he, um, he had a huge game. And, and then to add even more to that, Patterson said that LJ Collier is expected to yeah. play next weekend. And uh, Bethley talked about what a huge difference and impact that has on the team as a whole as well, getting somebody in. Uh, he called him a monster, yeah. And, and yeah. Patterson talked about how important it is to have you know, a four-person rotation as opposed to, to a three-man rotation on the inside and when you can have Broadnax and Bethley playing and, and hopefully you get somebody else like a Mike Epley or somebody to step up. And then maybe a Terrell Cooper and a George Ellis. We didn't see as much from them tonight as we did against Southern, and that was probably to be expected just because this is a step-up in competition. But realistically, from a depth perspective, those are two guys that are going to have to have to step into the rotation here, maybe not next week against Ohio State, but beyond as we get into Big 12 play. Yeah. So realistically, though, there were a couple of, of weird things that happened tonight that I think we should talk about. First of all, TCU didn't score a traditional touchdown until the second half, until the third quarter, yeah. Sean Robinson yeah. scrambled for an 18-yard touchdown. Uh, before that, their scores came uh, on a fumble into the end zone that uh, Alana Lua had a 21-yard run and he fumbled the ball forward into the end zone and Jalen Austin fell on it. Such a heady. It reminded me so much of the Aaron Green play. It did. Another weird it game just, where TCU needed a spark and, and, you know, obviously not quite the impressive athletic feat, but still just that mm-hmm. right place, right time, took advantage just of the moment. Executing right. Yep. And so he was in the right place at the right time with that. Turpin's 78-yard punt return was huge. <laughs> Uh, and, and I loved that little moment as he knew he's like, oh, I'm the score. He points directly at the punter. Uh, well, and, and dusted him. And then the later the in the game, I was I was on the sideline when the uh, when Turpin ran out of bounds after another long return, Down and, and 15, the uh, yeah. the punter does not think highly of Cavante Turpin and his gamesmanship. Well, I will say that's fine. It's a Turpin, family show, so I won't say what he yeah, said. You know, Turpin had I think close to, if not a little bit over, 200. Yards yards, from yeah. yeah. Well, from if you're the TC, so. if you're the SMU punter and you've been burned twice by the same guy, I don't know that I talk crap to him Probably in the fourth should. quarter of a absolute dominating of a game blowout. that you know TCU covered. Yeah. The spread was 23 and a half. TCU was down nine to nothing at the end of the first quarter, and they still covered. And it, I mean, they won by 30. Yeah. So and SMU had, score in the second. They half. had points to spare. You know, at one point before that final drive of the game for SMU where I think they gained about uh, 
35 or 40 yards there at the end of the game. Uh, SMU only had 18 yards of offense from the start of the second half till that last drive of the game. Jeez. And so, you know, when we're talking about a defense for TCU that really, really turned things up. It's uh, hilarious that SMU played so putridly in the first half a week ago. Yeah. And completely the opposite story in the second half this week. They they took that eight minutes of ah. good play from from last Saturday mm-hmm. and continued it for about eight minutes. Yeah. And then did nothing the rest of the game. They did, and I you know I think that's a testament to a underdog coming out hot and really fired up for a rivalry game. You know, on their home turf in bad weather, anything can happen, sure. and a lot of yeah. weird things did happen. But then eventually. Talent, you know, talent, talent will bear out, and it did in this case with TCU just kind of enforcing their will from the second quarter on, and it really never was. I mean, it, it was close in score uh, after that, but it wasn't close in, in so far as what was actually happening on the field. Well, the and if you're SMU, you have to leave that game thinking everything went in our favor except for the score yeah. because this was the game that they're supposed to win. A lot of people are talking about a pregame and that. Um, SMU always seems to, you know, they've won twice in the last 13 years. They've beaten TC when they've been a ranked team. They're the only two ranked teams they have in, in the last several decades. They have beaten in the last several decades. Um, or not not last ever, but they're two of, like, four, I think, that they've won. At weird weather, you see the ball taking weird bounces. The scoring is kind of odd. Um, but SMU gets absolutely trounced. Like, yeah. they are a long way from being on TCU's level they in really every are. aspect. They really are. Uh, you know, we're getting some questions on Facebook about Sean Robinson. We had a chance to talk to him after the game. He looked fine. He said he felt fine. Uh, he said his focus this week moving forward was watching this game film to see where he can improve. He had an idea of where he could improve. He named accuracy as one of those things and, and you know, not turning the ball over. Uh, but he said he, he said he felt fine. He looked fine. Yeah, definitely took a hard hit, and we'll, you know, yeah. obviously we'll be paying close attention to um, the injury information that won't be released because it never is. Um, but you know, it looks like he's all good to go and, and set to play next week, um, and hopefully that's the case because I think that he really did improve a lot. Um, one thing that, that uh, Patterson did talk about was uh, needing to get Michael Collins in the game more. I thought yeah. Michael Collins played really, really well. He did. Patterson has been telling us for weeks that he runs better than you think he does. He runs better than you think he does. And they gave he him a did. shot to run, and he looked great. Two runs he for really moved. Yeah. And a touchdown, um, so that'll do it. I, I think that, you know, Patterson talked about needing to get him reps now to take some of the snaps away from, from Sean and let him get some rest. And so I don't know if that's something we'll see against Ohio State. He said that ultimately that's Sunday Cumbie's call, but, but it's a conversation that he'll be having with them and just wants to get his young sophomore quarterback off the field a little bit more so that he's fresher down the stretch. Yeah, and it's not a terrible strategy when you have a guy who seems to be as capable as Michael Collins because also, you know, you look at Collins, who's a senior this year, right? Or is he a junior? Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore. Oh, you know, so he's young too. But, you know, they're both pretty poised back there. They're both incredibly talented. Uh, and, you know, you want to get a, a guy like that a little bit of game experience so that down the road, you know, yes, if you want to keep Robinson healthy, but also if he gets hurt, Sure. You know, yeah, you got to have a guy who's, who's been in there now, who has a little bit of experience under his belt, and can come in and you know he can run the offense. 
risk. Well, and the way that Sean Robinson runs the ball, like he's putting himself at risk for sure. And, and he talked about making those decisions of when do you take off and run, when do you throw, what's the risk reward on that. And, um, you know, we saw him he's such a powerful runner. And I think that's another one of the things that really changed the game. And we're getting a question on the offensive rhythm and thoughts on it. I think that Sean Robinson's ability to run helped get the offense in a rhythm. And there were a couple of long plays that touchdown that touchdown run that he had. He needs to be that dual threat quarterback to give GC the best chance to win because that's the thing you can't account for. And he's such a powerful runner. I mean, he's big and strong and fast. But we also saw him stiff arm a kid into next week who's probably never going to want to play football again because he, he got absolutely dominated. He that person's feelings. Yeah. He was on the end of a nice run where he had already kind of asserted himself. He got out of the pocket that was collapsing. There were two guys on him that had an opportunity to take him down for a loss. He fought out of it. He made it around the right edge. And then he worked his way down the sideline and, yeah, just punished that defensive back with a stiff arm. Now, another question is on penalties, which goes into offensive rhythm. There there weren't really yeah. penalties in the first half. It, it, there weren't penalties when the score was bad. There was one on the um, third and two that became a third and seven. Um, that was a bad one. But for the most part, I thought they were pretty locked in and focused until late in the game. And that's when they were rotating some younger players in as well. And, you know, realistically, when you look at this game specifically, the weather and the delay do have an effect on players. Absolutely. Whether they say that it does or not, it throws you off of your rhythm uh, as a player as you're getting prepared for a game and then you have to wait an extra two hours. Sure. You know, it's wet. It's not good field conditions. It's late. Uh, you know, you do have Ohio State next week. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there are a couple of factors that probably led to a couple of those penalties. Sure. But realistically, I'm not terribly yeah. concerned. I think they're going to be fine. I think that the, the unit that's going to be playing the most, they're making good decisions. They're not doing a lot of holding. They're not doing a lot of false start. The one false start was just a – just completely blew it. The, the I think it, I don't remember if it was a gainer who was like – Yeah. And, and it was it was obvious that he just was ready to go and it wasn't time to go yet. And it yep. didn't look like it, – it wasn't terrible, but just bad timing. Um, someone is asking why we only use one running back. Uh, we use three. Several. Yeah, yeah. Darius Anderson um, – Shaylou and Amari. Yeah, Amari. Amari Yeah, got now, a lot of work. I will say this. If, in the press box oh, at every stadium, uh, there's like a press box PA guy who will tell everyone who the player was and the yardage gain or whatever happened on the play. SMU's PA guy is notoriously bad. Yeah. He was terrible two years ago. He could say anybody's name right. He never said Alana Lewis' name correctly. It was always like Alanaway, Alulu. I think one time he called Amari, Amari Demarcado. I think he said Murray Demarco once. So time. yeah. Um, he got Isahaku's name wrong. He called Is he called him Isaku. He Like this guy was terrible. Uh, that being said, the three running backs for TCU tonight were not terrible. They were great. Darius looked like he's starting to get back into a rhythm again feeling healthy. He had some really good runs tonight. Shavo had some really good runs tonight. And Amari looked great, he looked when, he great came in. when he came in. And, you know, Patterson mentioned after the game, he thought the offensive line didn't do a lot of good things when they were run blocking. Yeah. He thought they didn't run block very well tonight. Uh, so he was interested to see the yards after carry for each of his running backs because they really did bounce off tackle as well. They fought forward. Sure. Shavo had a couple of third and short um, conversions. Conversions where he really had to break through two or three guys to get to that marker. Probably got a favorable spot on one of them, too. But yeah. if you're working that hard, you kind of earned it sure. at that point. Uh, 
Yeah. So that's a good thing to see moving forward, especially when you're coming up against a really good defense like Ohio State, where you have to keep them honest. Yeah. If you're a one-dimensional offense, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna get destroyed, and so well, running I, the ball is really kind of where it all has to start. I thought it was interesting that Shea started again this week. Um, you know, and, and, and he did get the bulk. Alyssa does not believe us that we used three running backs. She's, she's arguing with us on Facebook Live, which is fine. But but in reality, if I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm going to guess that Shea probably had about 12 to 15 carries. Amari probably had 8 to 10. And Darius maybe maybe 6 to 8 would be my guess. Um, Darius, Darius had probably about 10. Shea probably yeah. had about 12 to 15. And Demarcado, I don't know. Yeah, so, well, and, and I think that they've been very, very careful with Jet. I think that they're holding him back. I think they're saving him for Ohio State. They, they want to get him enough work so that he has played. Um, but at the same token, um, they – thanks, Alyssa. Um, but they but they also want to protect him for that game and keep him fresh. And so I think it's been good to see Shea um, You know, there's another comment about that maybe Shea needs to go a little bit more north-south. I agree with that, but at the same time, token, like, he, he really is – being patient, using his lanes, and he's looking for space. He's going north and south when he needs to. Um, he's not Travoris Johnson. Um, but he, he's a, I think he's a better at picking his spots there. And, and sure, I would like to see him power through and run over some more guys. But by the same token, he was taking what the defense is giving him for the most part tonight. And I think that the offensive line, it, that's a strength of theirs, is to be able to set that edge. And so he's just taking advantage of that opportunity. And realistically, he has good enough vision and he has good enough athleticism to get yeah. to the edge. He did that a couple of times sure. tonight. So there's really, I, I think for a guy like him, it's all about finding that balance yeah. to where, you know, you are going to punish guys up the middle. That is his, like, natural running style. But if you have the ability to bounce outside, you got to keep people sure. honest. So you might as well do it. And he, and he took advantage of a, of a defense tonight that isn't very good. Uh, will he be able to do those same kind of things against Ohio State? Probably not. But we'll that's a just we'll have to wait and see Saturday night. I really like some of the formations too that TC ran out of, and some of the um, the RPOs that the company had drawn up for this game. It seems like they're doing some really creative things with how they're rolling Sean out, with, with what they're doing on giving him his reads, and it looks like he's starting to make better decisions on when to keep it and when to give it up as well. So that I saw some growth from last week even to tonight. That yeah, absolutely. We have another question. Uh, who's going? Who's thirty three to get the edge against OU? Yeah, well, that's, that's what we're saying, Ryan, is that we're not sure he can be able to do that against Ohio State, but at the same token, he took what the defense gave tonight. I thought Shea played really, really well. Um, we also had another question earlier about um, uh, Jalen Rager and if Sean was targeting. I, I do think that Sean was looking for Jalen early on purpose, and I think that has a lot to do with building their chemistry. I mean, if, if they're going to win games against teams like Texas and Ohio State and, and, um, and Oklahoma and, you know, the elite teams that, that are on the schedule, not Texas, but the other elite teams that are on the schedule um, – Jalen Rager is going to have to be a key factor of that. You have to have a number one wide receiver, I think, to maximize um, your offensive opportunities. And so I think tonight it, they were forcing it to him a little bit early. You know, he was open every single time. That's what I was going to say, yeah. too. It's like, realistically, in this offense, where you have such a good wealth of weapons, I mean, you've got Rager and you've got Turpin and you've got three really solid running backs. You, you saw a tight end catch a pass tonight. Like oh, yeah, yeah, that was you know, so got, crazy. You've got two really good senior receivers and sure. Jalen Austin and Jarrison Stewart. Yeah. It's a matter of just finding who's open. Yeah. And Robinson has done that pretty well through the first two games. It just happens to be that Rager is so dynamic that he's getting open a lot of the time. Now he's got to start catching those early passes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had another drop tonight that was pretty significant. It would have been a third down conversion uh, for about 17, 18 yard gain over the middle, but it slipped right through his hands. It was almost picked yeah. off. So it's the second time in a row that that's happened uh, in games for him. Uh, I think as they start to, start to get into a rhythm, that'll, that'll disappear. 
Um, but realistically, I think Robinson's doing a really good job right now of making his reads and taking what defenses give him. He did have one terrible interception tonight where he just okay, absolutely just so bad. Yeah. stared a guy down and the linebacker saw it slid over and picked it off really easily and threw it directly to the guy. Um, but then, you know, he's, he's still only a sophomore. I would almost rather have that interception than, you know, like like some, like the, the one where it's so obvious what he did wrong that it's easy to correct. Yeah. I mean, and he knew it. You, he probably knew it as he was letting the oh, ball I'm go. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, and he mentioned it, you know, right out of the gate in the post game, just saying, you know, I've got it. I can't, make, I can't commit to turnovers. That's yeah. going to be the thing that Cumbie and I talk about this week is that I can't commit to turnovers. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I think ultimately that, that we have um, – we saw a lot of growth. We saw a lot of positive things. The yeah. defense looked a lot better. Uh, the offense looked, um, you know, more in sync. Uh, you know, Sean is still taking over. And now if you look at it, too, two of his three career starts have come in terrible weather conditions. Yeah. And so, I, you know, we still don't know a ton about Sean Robinson as the TCU quarterback. But I think that the thing that I really like about him is he's very, very humble. He's a very hardworking guy. He wants to be the leader of this team, and he's working to become that. Um, he immediately acknowledges what he needs to work on. And, and you can see the improvement in and the things that he, he took from week one into week two and, and how he really did work to adjust some of those things. He'll get in the film room with Sonny Cumbie. Um, I think that, that Cumbie is really going to help him continue to grow. He's got weapons around him. He's got good running backs. The offensive line has, has looked good so far, um, but, again, they have not faced anything close to what we're going to see on Saturday night. No, they haven't. This is going to be a real test. The good thing about this test is that it's out of conference. So ultimately, even if TCU does take a loss here, it doesn't affect conference standings. It doesn't affect their ability to win the Big 12. No, no. Um, but this is that game. It's that stretch game that Gary Patterson's talking about where you really get to see where your team is uh, in comparison to another very high-quality program. Yeah. So it's going to be exciting to see them step step onto the field at Gary World and, and take on the Buckeyes. It's, you know, realistically – what more could you want from a non-conference game yeah. in September? If you, I mean, if, if you want to be an elite program, if you want to continue to see TC's reputation grow on the national stage, you have to have these opportunities. And, you know, in addition to that, Gary Patterson did mention in the post game that, you know, he told his players at halftime, every college football player in the country is watching it tonight. Yeah. And, and I think that's really valid. You know, that these, these I, going up against Friday Night Lights in Texas is, is rough. Like, that's a, a tough thing to do against high school teams. Um, but but at the end of the day, you do get the showcase of being one of the only marquee teams playing tonight. And so there were a lot of people watching TCU. And if they turned into the beginning of the game, maybe they weren't super impressed. But hopefully by the end, they, they saw that TCU is a program that's that looks like they're going to be competitive in the Big 12 once again. That looks like they can make some noise. And they have a chance to make a real statement on Saturday. Whether they do it or not, you know, like I said, we'll have to wait and find out. Uh, the, the mantra from every single player is... One game at a time, you know. Corey Bethley it looked like he had, had memorized the Gary Patterson quote book. Got to get to one and zero before you can get to two and zero. Yeah, they, they are so funny. Parody. Yeah, parody, uh, Gary Patterson. They are they are products of their coach, and it, it, it is hilarious. They they have been drilled to not worry about Ohio State, and it's clear that they won't start thinking about them until Sunday. Yeah. Well, that's not true. They were totally thinking about him for all summer. But yeah. we've been thinking about it for a long time. We're excited to get to ask Coach Patterson finally about Ohio State on Tuesday. That's mm-hmm. something that, that he's shooting us away from. He'll actually State answer questions. Ohio State questions. Um, I, I think that we have a lot of reason to be excited about TCU this season, but it's obvious, too, this is a young team that is yeah. inexperienced in growing pains. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's it's just can we get better week in and week out? I think so. 
you know, it's your tuna. You yeah, can't ask for much more than that at this than that at this point. You know, like Patterson says, prepare for the games you're supposed to win, but the games take care of themselves. TCU has won the two games they're supposed to win, and now we see what happens in the big game. Yeah, absolutely. TCU's two zero, forty two to twelve win over SMU. Iron Skillet's coming back to Fort Worth for the seventh year in a row. The Frogs now lead the overall series, I believe, fifty one to forty to something. Uh, so that's a nice double digit wins lead over the Mustangs. Who are just not in a good way. Yeah. The Sunny Dykes era at SMU has not gotten off no, to a very good start. It has not. Uh, hopefully it'll turn around, though, because Patterson said last week he likes his rivalry. He wants to keep it around, so it'd be nice for it to be competitive. Then it didn't matter to the players. And that celebration oh, was was very meaningful. Um, they, they really yep. do take a lot of pride in bringing that skill back to Fort Worth. Yes, Jalen Austin did exclaim that he was going to make breakfast for dinner in the Iron Skillet, so... Well, y'all go to bed. It's late. It's so late. So late. We'll see you Wednesday for the Frogs War podcast. So make sure you tune into that. I'm Jamie Plunkett. Let's shoot, Buster. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.